Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's an intimate crowd tonight. That's PR speak for very, very small. Just like my many, many lovers in the past would say, that's a very intimate manhood you have there. Very intimate indeed. (laughs) I also have a very intimate bank account and a very intimate circle of friends. My intimate audience, welcome to Tuesday. Thanks for joining us. Let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you once again. I am Boogie Bumper, your host, hopefully for the next little bit. What is happening? What is happening? What isn't happening? What isn't happening in all honesty? As you can see, I can't get the Periscope chat to come up on the screen for some reason. So I'm just going to ditch that and go to plan B. There you go. Look at that. We'll see if the proper chat box comes back later on, but we're not going to be deterred. We are not going to be stopped. We are going to roll on through the roadblocks. We are going to crash through the capitalist superstructure here tonight on Communist Radio. No, just kidding. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Hope you had a lovely day. I certainly have. We've got much to get through. We're going to do a little bit of follow-up tonight from yesterday's revelations. The Book of Revelations, otherwise known as the Google Employee's Handbook on how to censor and obscure and suppress those politics that you don't like. And on the fifth day, he said onto them, get that fucking bigot off my website. That's the way it worked. So we're going to do a little bit of follow-up on Project Veritas from our show yesterday. Can't wait to get into that. Also going to dip into the United Kingdom's politics. The British tabloid press are at it again, doing what they do best, which is sifting through your garbage to dig up a dirty diaper of real news. So we're going to look at the hit job that is currently being undertaken on the would-be Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, Mr. Boris Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson. They are exposing their Johnson on the world stage. And the tabloid reading audience could not be happier so plenty to get through much to get through thanks so much for joining us if you'd like to become a supporter of the show please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper it's also a very intimate support group on patreon (laughs) you'll be pleased to know become a subscriber to the show by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player and of course if you would like me to expose the johnson then you need to follow me on twitter at boogie bumper before we get into all that, though, let's kick it off the way we like to with this. Now you face the shredder. Time for the shredder, baby. Let's shred this shit up. Okay. Still don't have a working chat box. That's all right. Just allow me to change that here there we go all righty 
Trump's fans. Are you a Trump fan, ladies and gentlemen? I assume, gentlemen, because as we all know, the ladies are not a big fan of Donald Trump. Once you exclude the 10,000 women who line up with their tongues hanging out wherever he's walked for the last 40 years, potentially attracted to his not-so-intimate bank account, his not-so-intimate wallet. But that's a story for another day. Trump's fans think he's a macho man. He's really a moral weakling who preys on women's and kids. The women's. Trump and his supporters want you to think of him as strong and manly, but he won't pick on someone your own, his own size. Why don't you pick on somebody your own size? You big bully. He's just a big bully, you know. Why don't you pick on somebody your own size? Is there another president of the United States around? Where's Hillary? Oh, we can't do that, can we? Donald Trump's fans are obsessed with the idea that their hero is the pinnacle of manliness. Here to restore the supposed greatness of American masculinity after its alleged assault at the hands of feminism and political correctness. Political correctness is put in quotation marks because that's just another right-wing conspiracy theory. It doesn't actually exist. I'm here to tell you, I wouldn't lie to you. I wouldn't lie to you. There's some algorithmic unfairness going on here. His fans paint semi-erotic art portraying Trump as handsome and virile. There's a link here. Should we see the semi-erotic Trump art? See what comes up? Hopefully it comes up. Right-wing artist John McNaughton mocked for motorcycle Trump portrait. Let's have a look here. In a portion of Missouri near Carthage, where you'll find a creative artist by the name of Andy Thomas. I'm going to move out of the way here so you can see. These are some of his latest creations, an all-star lineup of presidential figures across the decades that have landed okay. in the White House. It's the painting that has everyone talking. The Andy Thomas portrait entitled The Republican Club. Uh, I don't see it. Ah, here it is. This, here's, do you see? Here is the, hi everyone, for, thanks for coming in. Here is the semi-erotic art, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> the semi-erotic art. Look at that. I can feel my jeans tightening as we speak. <laughs> really? This is semi-erotic now? Um... I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not. Probably not, because obviously the reason that you're listening to this show is because you're a uh, unspeakable, unruly, deplorable bigot who hates everybody who isn't straight and attractive. But did you know it's Pride Month currently? And uh, I've lost count of the number of YouTube videos that people have sent me of near naked, practically naked men swinging their junk around in the open air dancing and parading beneath rainbow flags, many children in the audience, sometimes the children joining in the march themselves because it's very family friendly. Uh, leather, strap-on, you know, sexual paraphernalia of the vibratic kind in abundance. Women being walked around on leashes with their booties sticking up in the air, all this kind of stuff. And I'll say to you, this is not sexual. This is not erotic at all. This has nothing to do with eroticism. This is all about pride. Oh, okay. But then I'm reading this article and they say, oh, this 
this artist, this so-called artist, paints semi-erotic pictures of Donald Trump, and here he is fully clothed on a motorcycle with the American flag. Now, I know many of you out there perhaps do get a little aroused by the sight of the American flag, which is understandable, I suppose. But there you have it. There's the semi-erotic art of Donald Trump fans. Surprised it hasn't been banned off the internet. It's in very poor taste. Very distasteful. His fans paint semi-erotic art portraying Trump as handsome and virile, either with a couple of dozen pounds shaved off his waistline or as an over-muscular he-man. They are so sure that Trump radiates a vibrant masculinity that Trump fanboy and convicted criminal Dinesh D'Souza recently posted a picture of Trump sitting next to Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau with the caption, masculinity in the 21st century, which one is you? The implicit assumption was that the orange-tinted primate, yes, that's a quote, that's a quote from this article, which is being very straight down the line, very objective, very fair, the good people at Salon. The orange-tinted primate, haunched over a poorly-fitted suit, was obviously more of a studly macho man than the suave young Canadian. He's so suave. He's so suave as Justin Trudeau. He's so suave and cool and sexy. <laughs> if you kill your enemies, they win. To outsiders, the idea that Trump is a model of desirable masculinity is just plain bizarre. As he lacks not just the positive markers of traditional manhood, stoicism, strength, and virility. See, I don't know. Can they really question Donald Trump's virility? I thought the problem was, haven't we been getting told for the last three years that Donald Trump's problem is he has too much virility? Isn't that what they've been saying? That he basically can't be in the presence of another woman without trying to fuck them? Is it, isn't this his problem, generally speaking? They're trying to portray Donald Trump as he has some kind of virility. Coming up after the break, why every person on earth with a vagina needs to fear the advances of Donald Trump. He will grab you. <laughs> but any positive human qualities at all. But this past month has offered a strong reminder of what exactly Trump fans believe makes Trump such a harbinger of restored masculine greatness. His viciousness and cruelty. Forget the handsome knight in shining armor protecting the weak and of chivalric myth. Trump's manhood is strictly about punching down and targeting those who are most vulnerable, with a particular sadism reserved for women and children. Two of the biggest stories competing for headline space right now are a new allegation from journalist E. Jean Carroll that Trump raped her in the 1990s and reports from border towns in Texas that refugee children separated from their families have been crammed into cages in horrific conditions. Remember, there's no crisis, though. I just want you to remember that there is no crisis. There is absolutely no crisis. Nothing to see here. Fear not. No crisis. But really, both stories are a piece, illustrating Trump's baseline impulses which thrill his fans. Are you thrilled by the prospect of Donald Trump raping women and children being thrown in cages? I knew it. I knew it. He tries to make himself feel tough and powerful by inflicting pain on those who are smaller and unable to protect themselves. I love the psychoanalysis that goes on in these pages. Makes my day. Picking on someone your own size is, in Trump's terms, for losers. 
winners in Trump world are the men who torture children and overpower women. Yes, torturing children and overpowering women. Trump's already unconvincing denials in the face of Carol's rape allegation got worse on Monday evening when he told a reporter for The Hill, she's not my type. A response that suggests he would have no problem raping someone he found attractive. <laughs> wow. Do you see what's do you see what's going on here? Because Donald Trump said that this particular woman was not his type, that implicitly proves that he is a rapist of more attractive women. <laughs> My, my comrades, my comrades at Salon. Was there a moment where you realized that your insanity could no longer be contained within your own being? Do you ever sometimes in your darker, quiet moments just think to yourself, did I really write this? Am I really implying this? That line again. The rape allegation got worse on Monday evening when he told a reporter for The Hill she's not my type a response that suggests he would have no problem raping someone he found attractive. No problem whatsoever. <laughs> this lady over here is not my type. Therefore, he he has no problem raping people that he likes. Gotcha. Thank you for that. Detective Salon, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a breakthrough in the case, a denial. This response is one of Trump's go-to responses to the many, many accusations of sexual harassment and sexual violence that have been made against him. He once told a rally crowd in response to reporter Nastasha Stoyanov's allegations that he assaulted her, look at her, I don't think so. This is nonsense, of course. Each... <laughs> this is nonsense. Donald Trump coming out and saying, she's not really my type. I don't think I would rape her. She's not my type. The author decides, this is nonsense. Of course this woman is Donald Trump's type. She has a vagina. She must be Donald Trump's type. She is vulnerable. He is powerful. He must be a rapist. This is nonsense, of course. E. Jean Carroll was a beauty queen and looked at the time Trump allegedly assaulted her very much like Trump's two first wives. Yes. <laughs> so he marries the first two and then rapes somebody who kind of looks like his ex-wives. I mean, the, the, the dearth of evidence that we are being overwhelmed with here is staggering. <laughs> Don't you see? Don't you see? He's lying. He's clearly lying. I mean, look at her. She almost looks kind of like his ex-wife. He must have raped her. He must be guilty. <laughs> People are like, what the fuck? <laughs> yes. He resorts to this same line for exactly the same reason men commit rape in the first place to dominate and humiliate women. Yes. He says that these uh he wasn't he's he wouldn't rape these women because he wasn't attracted to them or they're not his type or look at her I don't think so. The reason that he says that is the exact same reason that men rape women in the first place. This is some sensational investigative journalism taking place here. 
Let's look at the overwhelming evidence for pro the argument, that being Donald Trump is a rapist. Number one, the woman who is alleging that Donald Trump raped her kind of sort of looks like his ex-wives. So don't forget about that. Okay. Put that in the bank. And when he says, look at her, I don't think so. This is the exact same line that he's used for the exact same reason that actual rapists rape women. I mean, lock him up, right? Case closed. Lock him up. Thank you for your evidence. That's enough. See you later. Donald Trump, the rapist. Throw him in prison now. We've got we've got all the evidence we need. I'm rem I'm reminded of that Simpsons line, you know. That's okay. Your tears say more than real evidence ever could. Trump's denial then only serves to confirm that he has a capacity for cruelty and misogyny that fuels the crime of rape. It is yet another reminder that the issue isn't so much that his followers don't believe the accusations against him. After all, He's on tape bragging about how he enjoys sexual assault. Yes, the Billy Bush tape makes its way back to the pages of Salon yet again. Continuing a fine tradition of at least three years of continuance reference to it. As they thrill to his unconcealed malice, the mistake they mistake his willingness to hurt vulnerable, hurt the vulnerable as strength and feel that by siding with a sadist, they will somehow be more powerful and manly for it. Grown women have some power to fight back, however, as evidenced by Carol's own telling of her escape mid-rape. The heroic escape from a rapist, Donald Trump. Children, on the other hand, make even better targets for Trump and his supporters as they can do almost nothing to resist the abuses of those who need to overpower the vulnerable to feel good about themselves. Yes! That's right. We are segueing from rape to abusing children in an article about why Donald Trump supporters like him. If you like Donald Trump, you must be in favor of rape and abuse of women of children. I say the way the best way to avoid uh, children being abused is to abort them before they can pop out of the birth canal. I mean, really, have we had a really serious discussion about the pros and cons about abortion? Maybe, and I'm just floating this out there. It's just an idea. Don't hang me for it. What if the American government funded Planned Parenthood in some of these countries where these children are coming from? I mean, you know, they often say that it's not fair to bring a child into the world when the family or the community cannot provide for them, right? They say, why would you bring a child into a family that has no money, that can't feed them? You kill them now or you kill them later. You kill them now or you kill them later. Remember that? So perhaps the way forward here to avoid the detention centers being filled with the children of South American countries, perhaps the best way to do that would be to fund Planned Parenthood in those countries. Because remember, it's very evil and immoral and wrong to bring babies into a life where people cannot provide food or shelter for them. Just thinking outside the box. Just thinking outside the box. <laughs> this, I think, goes a long way to explaining the horrific situation on the border, where reports are streaming out of migrant children being forced to sleep on cold concrete and not allowed to shower or brush their teeth. 
Lawyers and reporters say that children are being left in soiled clothes and babies are handed off to older children to be cared for. See, he's, he's fantastic at the employment. He can even get 13-year-old kids employment babysitting in detention centres. This guy is an economic employment genius. Well, why should why should we take another why we should why should we take some more welfare workers? We need our welfare workers in the in the cities. We need them in Chicago. We need them in New York. Let's get the kids to mind the kids. Let's do a deal. <laughs> He's a genius. CNN, for instance, spoke to a 14-year-old who was crammed in a cell with a 4-year-old stranger and an 11-year-old boy caring for a toddler who was sick and covered in filth. There's this line here that I absolutely have to show. This was the this was the top of the article for mine. Wait till you see this. There are political reasons for this, as Trump and his allies at Fox News are clearly hoping to exploit concerns about the children's welfare while arguing that the situation is to repeal people's legal right to apply for political asylum. In that sense, this is straightforward hostage taking by the Trump administration. Except, have you ever heard of a hostage of a person taking hostages when they really just want them to turn around and leave? Now, don't come to the don't do not come to the bank robbery. I don't want anybody coming into the bank robbery. This is my bank robbery. You don't belong in this bank robbery. Do not enter the bank under any circumstances. We do not want you. If you want to enter the bank, you're going to have to wait until the robbery's over. I don't want to take any hostages. I don't want any hostages. Please turn around. Do not become a hostage. Do not enter the bank whilst the robbery is in process. And somebody walks into the bank and they say, can, can we put them in the safe while we're doing this bank robbery, please? This He's taking hostages. He's using them as hostages. It's almost as though the Trump administration is going over the border into these other countries, scooping up the children, then bringing them back to America and locking them in cages. <laughs> Give me the war money or the kid gets it. If you don't give me another pussy to grab, I'm going to put a bullet in this lady's skull. You hear me? I ain't going down without a fight, copper. Nah. In that sense, this is straightforward hostage-taking by the Trump administration, except that as some people who have been held hostage by Somali pirates or the Taliban are pointing out, at least they got toothbrushes and soap. <laughs> yes! Yes, ladies and gentlemen. The good people at Salon are now apparently quoting people who have been held hostage by the Taliban and saying that being held hostage by the Taliban or Somali pirates is preferable to being held in a detention center on the border with Mexico. Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, Donald Trump is literally worse than the Taliban. Fantastic stuff. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that was... Now you face the Shredder. Worse than the Taliban. Wow. Mm. But there's no crisis. <laughs> sure, the, sure, the children are being kept in conditions that is worse than Somali pirates or the Taliban taking hostages, but there's no crisis. 
It's all just a right-wing conspiracy theory. Go back to sleep, America. There's nothing to see here. <laughs> That's one for the ages. Uh, that link, plus any other links that we refer to in tonight's show, will be in the show notes on the Podbean website or the iTunes uh, website. If you just subscribe to the podcast, you'll get all the links there waiting for you. Just going to see if our chat box has come back yet because it's really annoying. It's really kind of annoying. Nope, only got the YouTube chat for some reason. Who knows? Who knows? Can't figure it out. Let's go over to the UK before we clean up the Project Veritas shit show. Uh, Boris Johnson fails to answer questions on private quarrel. This, this article, this story has been going around for a few days. Um, I'll give you a little background. Boris Johnson is the lead candidate for the UK's prime ministership. And apparently the police got called out to his residence last week. And there were some reports of arguing and stuff going on in the house. And the police got called out. And then, so since then, uh, they've all been trying to frame him as a domestic abuser, of course. Of course, with no evidence to that fact. And this has now become the go-to story. Boris Johnson failed to shut down questions about his private life Tuesday as a round of media appearances served only to bog him down further in questions about character and trust. Here's what I want to put to you. And I'm not sure if Boris Johnson is at this level just yet, but I know that it's coming because it's already happened in the United States. Just personally, my own personal opinion, when it comes to politicians and their private life, I don't care. I could not care less. I don't care whom or what you insert your penis into. I don't care what you're attracted to. I don't care how much cocaine you take. I don't care if you smoke weed. I don't care if you're a swinger. I don't care if you like to bang hookers in the back of your car. That is none of my business. I could not care less. I don't care. In fact, I would love it if politicians came out when they were being asked about their personal life. Just come out and say, well, that's my personal life, so it's none of your fucking business. It has nothing to do with my ability to run the country. I am a public figure with a public life. You are free and you are welcome and you are more than capable of questioning me on my public life. But my private life is private for a reason. It belongs to me, not you. And I would be perfectly fine with that. And I don't care if they're on the left or the right. doesn't bother me. Now, we know that uh, in the case of Donald Trump, for example, I think that most people whether they consciously are aware of it or whether it's just like a subconscious reaction to the, you know, the overwhelming muck throwing and shit flinging that occurs now in the corporate press. I think most people are on my side of the ledger. That being when it comes to Donald Trump, they don't care about his private life either. His, especially his supporters. They're trying to mock him. They're trying to lambast him. They're trying to bash him constantly. Oh, he had an extramarital affairs. He does this in his private life. And people are like, you know what? I don't care. I don't care who he has sex with. It's not my problem. That's his business. Could not care less. And I'm well and truly in that boat. So with Boris Johnson, I think what he could do is learn from Donald Trump and take the kind of same approach here. But in the UK, obviously, it's a little different. The culture's a little different. The dynamics are a little different. But I think taking this approach with the media, like, I don't care what you fucking say kind of thing that Donald Trump does, I think it's like bungee jumping. In that the first time you do it, you are 
teetering over the ledge, you're looking over the ledge, and you you almost physically can't jump because you think you're going to die <clears throat> as soon as you do. But then as soon as you jump, it's freedom and you're away and you've never felt better. Right? Johnson, who is running to be the next leader, this is the article, for both the Conservative Party and the nation, has refused to address personal questions despite an ongoing clamour to face public scrutiny after a reported quarrel with his girlfriend last week prompted a police visit. Let's have a look. So he gave this interview on LBC Today in the United Kingdom. Where are we? There we are. And it didn't quite go so well for Boris Johnson because I, I think he could have handled it better. But l- let's let's discuss the dynamics of this interview as it goes on. Zero accounting software. Very much. 9.32, you're listening to Breakfast with me, Nick Ferrari, here on LBC, Tuesday, June the 25th. And the man who has been described as a coward, as pathetic, Honestly. as trying to sneak into the back door is still <laughs> currently the leader in the running to become the, prime, the leader of the Conservative Party and indeed the Prime Minister. I speak of Boris Johnson. Nice, nice opening there by the interviewer. A man who's been described as a coward and pathetic is joining us. Good morning, Boris Johnson. <laughs> who's opposite me right now? Are you a coward? Good Boris morning, Johnson? Nick. Well, <laughs> listen, I'm here on your show. Yes. And I want to talk about what I would love to do for our country to unite to the Conservative Party, which I'm proud to be a member of, and uh, above all, to get Brexit done. Yes. By October the 31st, with a view to restoring confidence in our politics. That's More on that I'm later. But are do. you a coward? As Jeremy Hunt is suggesting, because you won't do debate. Why have you? you know cho- why have you pulled yes, out of the debate I tonight? Have a, I have a, a maxim in uh, in life and in, in politics, which is, I think, nicked from Ronald Reagan, the famous Eleventh Commandment: Never speak ill of a fellow conservative. There is no provocation that uh, any opponent will uh, can level at me that will, okay. will will lead me to respond to dignify. You know that. That, that kind of insight. I'm here to talk to you uh, and to Not our to listeners. listeners. Yes. <laughs> James in the chat. Welcome, you pathetic piece of shit. How are you? <laughs> and to our listeners uh, about what I would love to do for our country and about my plan to get us out of the EU by October the 31st. And that is the critical thing. Uh, if we don't get that done, then our party will continue to hemorrhage votes. Uh, and it's not just uh, the Conservative Party, by the way. The Labour Party, too, with in superhuman incompetence, managed also to go backwards in those May elections. Trust in politics is being eroded. Unless we get Brexit done, unless we, uh, as parliamentarians and as politicians... I would have to, I would have to uh, stray from Boris Johnson there. I disagree. Politics is not being eroded. Politi- trust in politics is eroded. It's gone. It's finished. It's dead. I mean, it's not being eroded. Like, you can't save it, you know what I mean? It's it's beyond saving. Now you have to rebuild trust in politics because it's already fucking destroyed. It is already a pile of smouldering rubble on the ash heap of history, trust in politics in the Western world. It now needs to be rebuilt. It cannot be saved. It would be like wandering up to, you know, it would be like wandering up to the Twin Towers the day after the September 11 attacks and go, hmm, you know, most of this can just buff right out. You know, if we just get, let's just get a couple of carpenters down here. I'm so, I'm sure we can resurrect it the way it was. Just like that. It'll be fine. Don't, don't panic. Don't panic. It's really not that bad. It's just a couple of cracks. Nothing, nothing to worry about. We can save this. We can definitely save this building. Respond to the mandate my, my- of the people. Get this thing done. 
our generation will not be forgiven. My, That's my what call this is about. Third, but I just have to ask you, the, yes. the, why have you... You dodged, don't have to, probably, but, but go well, on. Let, I would like to ask, <laughs> well, probably as a journalist, why have you dodged tonight's debate? Well, the, I've, if actually, you're so confident of your 60, view... Well, I don't, sorry, there, I'm doing 16 hustings. I've already done several uh, with with uh, uh, with Jeremy and and look forward to doing many many more all right okay. uh, and I'm doing several TV debates and and you're here I'm now I'm okay here we're now. going to the questions after I this I- yeah and you know what it really annoys me too when these politicians lament the lack of trust in the political system now it's your fault that we got here don't blame Russia don't blame fake news don't blame people like Nigel Farage If you're upset that people like Donald Trump and Nigel Farage and, you know, these other quote-unquote right-wing populists, whatever the fuck you want to call them, if you're upset that these people are gaining momentum, the first place to point the finger is directly back at yourself. If the two major parties representing, you know, the the nominal centre-right and the nominal centre-left had actually been doing their job over the last 40 or 50 years then there would be no need for a Donald Trump. There would be no need for a Nigel Farage. There would be no need for a lack of trust in Western politics to occur. See, this is the problem. In in countries that are, you know, founded on, you know, something similar to the Westminster system that they have in the UK, you know, the Anglosphere, if you want to call it, Canada, the United States, Australia, New Zealand, Great Britain, Ireland, right? Look at the, the look at the countries that have been the most stable over the last two hundred years politically. Which countries are they? They are these countries, and my opinion is that a large reason for this is because it's a two-party system. Right now, you can lament the two-party system, but what it does do is what it has done is provide tremendous stability. Look in countries where there is not a two-party system. Look at the chaos that they have caused in their own political systems over the last 50, 100, 200 years. The the idea in a two-party system is that great changes and great shifts in one direction or another over a short space of time are very, very difficult to manifest because you're always going to have a very strong opposition. Now, if you're in a system with seven or eight parties and they can all form a coalition and all agree with each other then all of a sudden 70 percent of the electorate dominates the 30 percent they can walk they can walk all over everyone and do whatever the hell they want but that doesn't take place in countries with a two-party system of politics but the reason that it has worked previously is because there existed a great deal of trust between the governors and the governed the governed implicitly believed that the governors were looking out for their best interest. Even in years gone past, you go back to the 1960s, people might not have liked JFK and other uh, Democrats at the time, but what was JFK was an anti-communist, low-taxation Democrat president. He was uh, averse to, you know, over-policing. He hated the intelligence communities becoming too powerful. Right, And he hated communists. He once gave a speech to the press club saying that they need to be vigilant in their stance against communist infiltration. Can you even imagine a Democrat politician today doing something like that? So whether you were a Republican or Democrat, Liberal or Labor, Tory or Labor, 
in years gone by, you knew that even though you had your disagreements about certain things, that everybody in the political system, from governed to governors, were all on the same page, fighting for the same team. And that is no longer the case. That dynamic no longer exists. And many reasons exist for this, but the first reason would be, I would humbly suggest that these parties on the centre-left and the centre-right in all of these Western nations have failed in their most basic responsibility to do what is expected of them by the people who vote them in. And after two or three or four decades of this taking place, finally the people who do the voting are starting to turn to each other and say, what the hell are we voting for these people for when they don't do what we want? Why the hell are we voting for either the centre-left or the centre-right when they just run around and do whatever the hell they please and don't listen to us? And they don't put us first. And they're not on the same team. Why the hell are we allowing this to, to continue? And then the audacity of the politicians now to come around, to turn out and say things like, well, we don't understand why there's no trust in politics anymore. I've got no idea. Please. Please. So don't give me this, oh, we need to repair trust, we need to heal. That's another thing they like to say, oh, the country needs to heal. No, 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 the, there will be no healing. These fractures are now permanent. The only way to get back to some kind of level of trust, it's going to take a fucking long time of doing what you're told and not telling people what to do. Big difference. No, I'm doing, we're doing we're doing something for ITV. Okay, we're doing okay, so, I think we're right. doing a debate with let me, with let me ask you this. Let me, Hartley Brill let, let, let me ask you, let me ask you this. I'm looking forward to massively. Boris Johnson, um, I'm slightly older than you, but you yeah. and I are both experienced journalists. Uh -huh. Probably me to a greater degree. You're a former editor. Yeah, well, I'm are a former editor. Uh, yes. Are okay, you telling sorry, me, me, as a journalist, <laughs> the life of a future prime minister, the private life, is not as a journalist? You're telling me it's not of interest. Well, of, of course, things may be of interest, and oh. yes, oh. of course, Nick, and I readily <laughs> accept that, and I, I understand that, and, uh, you know, newspapers and, uh, and other media outlets, of course, are going to want to print and to speculate what they choose. Would you but, have run the but, story as editor, my... as editor of The Guardian? See, Boris has more experience, and he should have done better here. He should have done far better here. He should have said something along the lines of journalists might well be interested in the personal lives of politicians, but I suspect most people nowadays who are not journalists do not care as much as the journalists do. And then I would have referred to things like newspaper readership and subscriptions going through the floor, uh, ratings on various news channels going through the floor. And then I would have followed it up by something like uh, Nick, this guy's Nick Ferrari, Nick, my advice to you as a former editor and a journalist myself would be, if you wanted to win back the audience, then stop pushing these shitty tabloid rag lines. Then, then see, that's, that's, that's a Trump move. But I don't know if Boris is ready. I don't know if he's ready to go full Trump yet or not. He's definitely got it in him. You know he wants to. But the more he tries to explain his way out of these little corners, the worse it's going to look. Would you, God forbid, would you have run that story? Would you have run that story? I, look, I'm not going to. Uh, oh come on! That's I'm not to do going with your to comment life. on the on the integrity or the discretion of the of the, of the editor of the Guardian or indeed any other paper. What would I you say, run a story such as that? Say, 
What I will say is that, uh, speaking, sitting on my side of the fence where I do now, uh, what I won't do, and, and you and I actually have had this conversation over many years, we because have. there'll be many times uh-huh. when you have, and you you've have never bowled, changed your tack. You bowled me some fast ones and said, come on, you know, the public have a right to know. And I've said, well, actually, the difficulty is that the minute you say one thing, you obviously uh, are bringing people, your loved ones, your well, family, into the public domain in a way that is not fair. Then why the picture today? Newspapers will print whatever they're going to print. Well, where did it come what from? I, what <laughs> well, where did it come from? I, I do like Nick Fry. Even though I disagree with his politics, I do like his, his matterisms and the way he goes about it. And, you know, people in the chat when this was going on were saying, oh, this isn't fair. You need to be, um, you need to be nicer. This is bullshit um, interviewing from Nick. To be fair, this is the way I want my interviewers to interview people. I get upset. I get pissed off when they don't apply this same level of tenacity across the board. I'm more than happy for um, journalists and interviewers and radio hosts to sit down and haul their subject over the coals, especially when they're talking to a politician, especially when they're talking to somebody who wants to be PM. They should be getting the, the most difficult, uncomfortable questions imaginable. No problem with that whatsoever. But the only issue I have is when they give one guy this treatment, when they give one guy the digital rectal examination equivalent of a radio interview, and then the next person comes in that they agree with and they like, well, I, I hear you got a new puppy. Tell us about your new puppy dog. Isn't he gorgeous? Well, now tell us again, uh, you, you're the, the LGBT community are big fans of you. Can you tell us why you're so popular? How did you get so popular? You know, shit like this. It's like, fuck off, man. Come on, do it to everybody. And there are very few um, journalists and radio hosts now that will apply that same treatment equally across the board, unfortunately. What I want to do is Boris talk Johnson, about where did the, picture come the from? longer we spend. No, on I, we, we'll come to that. Don't worry. We've got 20 minutes to do this. Well, then we've let's, got a, let's get, no, we've got a couple. Where did the picture come from? The longer we spend. There are... So the accusation is that Boris and his girlfriend uh, were having a fight. The police were called. There was a rumour going around that somebody, some activist, called the cops on them, but I, that hasn't been confirmed yet, so we're going to put that in the column of fake news for now. And then a picture gets leaked to The Guardian of Boris and his girlfriend enjoying, you know, a nice afternoon, which probably, <laughs> judging by Boris Johnson's responses, was probably leaked by his campaign to a third party who then anonymously put it into the paper and said, you know, like a paparazzi, hey, I've got a picture of Boris and his girlfriend, and they ran it. So the accusation is that this uh, picture was planted by Boris and his campaign in order to change the narrative, like, no, I'm not fighting with my girlfriend, it's happy families, it's all, you know, it's all a, a political hit job, it's misinformation by the media, let's carry on with the campaign, trying to put a full stop to it, which... If, if that's what did happen, he wouldn't be the first politician in human history to do it. He won't be the last. Most politicians leak stuff about themselves when it suits them. Most of them. It would be like if your favourite football player got accused of, you know, bashing a taxi driver on a drunken rampage in the city one night. But, uh, you know, a journalist is friendly with this particular manager. So the manager of the football player gives access to all of his football players to this particular journalist at this particular newspaper. Therefore, that particular journalist is worth keeping on the staff. That manager will call that journalist and say, here, here's a picture of my football player sitting down with his new baby. I want you to talk about what a great guy he is because we need to change the story. 
And sure as shit, after a story like that comes out, in whichever paper there is a journalist that is friendly with the manager of that particular player who's currently in a scandal, you will see a story. You know, there's a lot of talk going around recently that Joe Smith is a terrible guy for beating up that taxi driver on a drunken rampage. But here's Joe with his fiancée and their baby enjoying a nice casual stroll on the beach. Joe's fiancée is quoted as saying he's a very soft and sensitive guy, even though he plays football ruthlessly, when he comes home, he's the world's number one dad. Right? <laughs> this is just the way it works. So I wouldn't be surprised if Boris Johnson leaked the, the picture himself. But again, is it important? I don't think so. Will the voters, the Conservative Party members in the United Kingdom, be swayed away from voting for Boris Johnson because of this quote-unquote scandal that's not really a scandal and a picture that he may have leaked to the, to the newspaper himself? I don't think so. I think we are now at the stage, like I said in the beginning of the show, where people are like, I don't care about the guy's personal life. Just get me the fuck out of Brexit. Just get me the fuck out of the EU. I'm sick of politicians who, you know, cry and talk about how offensive everything is and how, how awful we are. I just want a guy who's just going to stand up and say, let's get the hell out and says what he thinks. I don't care who he screws, who he fights with, who he walks his dog with. I couldn't care less. Let's just get him in. Because I think we're at that stage now. So I won't play the whole interview because I do want to get to the Project Veritas stuff. But <laughs> they actually clipped together all of the denials for Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson refuses to answer question 26 times. Let's have a look. <laughs> See, this This is why he probably should have approached this differently. Instead of the way he did, he probably should have come at it a different way and even just own up to it if you, if you have to, to put a full stop on it. Because then if you don't, if you don't answer the question in, an, in a satisfactory manner, then you allow things like this to happen. The difficulty is that the minute you say one thing, you obviously uh, are bringing people, your loved ones, your well, family, into the public domain in then, a way that is not fair. Then why the picture today? Newspapers will print whatever they're going to print. Well, where did it come what from? I, what I want to do is Boris talk Johnson, about... Where did the picture come the from? The longer we spend... No, on I, we, we'll come to that. Don't worry. We've got 20 minutes to do this. Well, then we've got a, let's get... No, we've got a couple. Where did the picture come from? The longer we spend, there are longer we spend on things extraneous... Did you know of its publication? The longer we spend on things extraneous to what I want to do for Is this it country. actually you, or is it Ed the, Sheeran? <laughs> <laughs> the bigger the waste of time. We Where have, has the picture come from? Uh, look, I'm not going to ask... Uh, are you happy with the, it in the majority of the front pages? Actually, I, because I've been so busy, I've already given several speeches this morning, or one, at least one speech this morning. I haven't seen the majority well, of the Well, I'm showing it to you now, so there we are. <laughs> are you happy with that? I think the longer we spend... I can't, I can't determine what the newspapers decide to... But you knew the picture was being put out I there. can't determine what the newspapers decide to... That's a yes or no, and then we'll move on. I can't determine what the newspapers decide to... Did you know the picture... This has nothing to do with your... Did you know the picture was being put out there, Mr Johnson? There are all sorts of pictures ah. of me on the internet uh, which uh, pop up from time to time. Did you know this the, picture was being put out? I am aware of all sorts of pictures of me out on the internet. And it is entirely up to newspapers to decide what they want to print. But the longer we spend no, on this... Worry. The longer we spend <laughs> on this... I'm you 20 minutes. I'm, Let's get on. Know this, I'm guaranteeing that. Did you know this picture was out there? 
I, of course, I knew that there, there was a picture like that in existence. And you knew it, it was, was put out whether, yesterday. Whether it was whether it was the decision of the of the uh, <laughs> it's up entirely when up was to newspapers taken? to decide what they want to print. When was it taken? Well, I don't okay. listen. You, you are you, so that's are, a state you're secret. Me, you're asking me. <laughs> so that's a state secret. When it's the picture was taken. So when was it taken? It's not a state secret. It just happens to be something that I don't want to get what? into. Because you won't even tell me when the picture was taken. No, why should I? Because why it's not I? recent, is it? Your hair, uh. your hair in this photograph is not your hair currently, is it? If I, if I may say so, this conversation We've got is now twenty descending into. Well, I'll fast. be the judge of that. <laughs> You can tell he looked uncomfortable. Sometimes you've just got to take the L. Sometimes you've just got to take the L. Well, this conversation is now descending into a farce. <laughs> of course he knew it. Kimmy in the chat's like he knew it. Of course he knew. Of course he knew it wasn't a recent picture. Of course he knew it was old. Of course he probably got a third party that he knows to leak it to the press to print in order to try and shift the narrative away from the so-called argument and portray happy families, nothing to see here. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But I think the major, I think the broader point here is I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters one fucking jot. I think the people who have decided that they're going to vote for Boris Johnson will vote for Boris Johnson regardless of what happens from here on in. Because I think collectively in the Western world, in countries like Australia, the UK, the United States of America, people are now at a stage where they see this kind of shitbag hackery media goings on this behavior from the press and they say i don't even care anymore i could not care less i don't care who he fights with i don't care who he's screwing i don't care who he screwed i couldn't care less i'm voting for him anyway and if it annoys you the fact that i'm voting for him anyway even better even better i'm even more likely to vote for the guy just because you don't like him that's that's the stage where we're at now I suspect, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I seldom am. <laughs> Let's do this. Uh, Senator Ted Cruz questions Google about recent Project Veritas report, ladies and gentlemen. June 26, 2019. Let's have a look here. Ted Cruz is kicking some goals on this stuff. The problem is that he's on his own. And the problem, I think a lot of the problem with you know, Congress and the Senate questioning Google and Facebook and Twitter and stuff. Is it really, is the best we can do really some dusty fossils sitting there going, well, excuse me, Mr. Pasha, Mr. Sunjaw Pasha. Now, are you here telling in sworn testimony, are you here saying that there is a little man that hides behind a curtain that is manipulating my Facebook feed. Is that how it works? Well, no. No, sir, that's not how it works. Uh, you know, algorithms, blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, I see, I see you mentioned the algorithms. Now, I don't know this man, Algorithm. Is he an employee of yours, sir? Alan Gorithm, is that his name? No, no, no. Algorithm is an automated thing. Uh, where it puts certain entries to the top and pushes other entries to, you know, the second or the third page. Ah, oh, see, uh-huh. And, and what, per, what per se is an entry? Can you explain what an entry is? It's like, this is the level of grilling that we get 
from Congress and the Senate when they bring these big tech companies in. They have no idea what they're talking about and they don't think it's important enough to learn. So they just, they ask these bullshit, ridiculous, you know, dare I say it, old people questions. Now, if I want to, if I want to watch Hannity on the Twitter, do I, do I, do I need to hit this follow button here? Is this the button that gets me the Hannity program? Because I, I do enjoy Hannity. I don't want to miss Sean Hannity. Is, is it possible? Well, actually, no, you should probably get a cable TV subscription. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, 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 and the cable, does that come with the Facebook is that how I log into the Google with the Facebook? Is that how it works? It's like, God, kill me now. So Ted Cruz is the only one that actually makes any sense when it comes to this stuff, because I think Ted Cruz is a super intelligent, uh, tenacious bulldog when it comes to the law and pulling people up on semantics. He loves pulling people up on semantics. So let's watch a little bit of Tedward. Um, are you familiar with a report that was released yesterday from Veritas uh, that included... Uh, a whistleblower from within Google that included videos from a senior executive with, at Google and then included documents that are purportedly internal. <laughs> that, was, that wasn't a Ted Cruz. Inf- I wasn't doing Ted Cruz. I was doing, I was doing some other ineffective, you know, old, old school Republican. That wasn't a Ted Cruz. <laughs> Give me some credit. <laughs> that was generic brain dead uh, old guy questioning the Facebook. PowerPoint documents from Google. Yes, I heard about that uh, report in industry news. Have you seen the report? No, I have not. <laughs> so you didn't review the report to prepare for this hearing? It's been a busy day and I have I'm a day job, busy. which is digital. I'm too busy. <laughs> now, miss, are you aware of a report Uh, coming out from Project Veritas, which highlights and proves beyond any doubt that Google, through its own documents, are planning on disrupting and manipulating perception ahead of the 2020 election. Oh, no, I didn't see that report. Why not? Well, it's been a busy day. I mean, I had to drop the kids off at school. I had to get the lunches ready. Uh, You know, I had to pick up this jacket from the dry cleaners. I think they did an amazing job. (laughs) Too busy? (laughs) It's too busy, sir. I, I, the dog ate my homework. Digital well-being at Google, so I'm trying to make sure I keep the trains well, on the I'm sorry this, uh, this hearing is impinging on your day job. It's a great opportunity. Thank you. So a different individual, a whistleblower, identified simply as an insider at Google with knowledge of the algorithm. It's quoted on the... <laughs> did, you, did you catch the little backhanded reference there from Ted Cruz? Well, I'm sorry this hearing is impinging on your day job. <laughs> Same report as saying Google, quote, is bent on never letting somebody like Donald Trump come to power again. You think it's Google's job to make sure, quote, somebody like Donald Trump never comes to power again? No, sir, I don't think that is Google's job. And we build for everyone, including Uh, every single religious belief, every Mm -hmm. single demographic, Mm -hmm. every single region, and certainly every political affiliation. Everything that comes out from these people now is tainted. Everything that comes out from these people is now tainted. Because as we watched in the video yesterday, this head of machine learning, they put into their own protocols, their own documents that they use to 
direct other Google employees that their idea of fairness is relating specific to, you know, groups of people who have been historically marginalized. That's the way they put it. And other groups of people, we're not concerned with treating them fairly. We're not concerned with treating them fairly because historically they have been in power and stuff. Yes, we're talking about white privilege and all of that sort of stuff. So when these people get, and they said, she said in the video, we've been hauled in front of Congress before. Um, they ask us to go in front of Congress and go to these hearings, but what's the point? All they're going to do is attack us. We're not going to stop doing what we're doing anyway. So why even bother going in there and sitting down and listening to them? I mean, this is, this is the literal words coming out of their mouths. Why, why even bother going in there and sitting down? We're going to do what we do anyway. We're not going to stop what we do. Fuck them, basically. Fuck them. So everything that you see henceforth from these kinds of people, when they come out and say, oh, we build for everyone, these are just lines. These are just programmed lines that they are told to say. They don't believe it. They don't enforce it. They don't stick to it. And they, when you get them privately, they openly admit to it that they don't believe in this shit. They're going to say whatever they have to say in these little settings in the Senate or Congress because, you know, that's what they're told to say. That's the PR line. Oh, we build for everybody. That's not even answering the question. She didn't even answer the question. They, 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 have, they are so used to being so powerful that they think, they genuinely think that they can do whatever the hell they want and there will be no consequences. And to be fair to them, they have every right to think that way because here we are and still nothing has happened to them. Now, there are a lot of court cases in various jurisdictions and antitrust stuff going on, fine. But as of today, as of this moment, they are still able to do whatever the hell they want without consequence. Without any kind of oversight at all. They rule the roost and they make the rules at this point. So I can understand the arrogance to just sit there and lie. Why wouldn't they just sit there and lie? Up until now, nobody's been able to stop them from sitting there and lying. So they're going to continue to sit there and lie until it stops, until somebody stops it. Well, I, I have to say that that certainly does not appear to be the case. So a final question. One of these documents that was leaked explains what Google is doing, and it, it has a series of, of steps. Uh, training data are collected and classified, algorithms are programmed, media are filtered, ranked, aggregated, and guaranteed, and that ends to with people, parentheses, like us, are programmed. Does Google view its job as programming people with search results? Thank you, Senator. I can't speak for the whole entire company, but I can tell you that we make sure that we put our users first in our design. <laughs> uh, thank you. We make sure that we put our users first. Do you see how these are all just program PR lines that they don't actually address the question at all? Now, so many people would hear that and go, oh, good, they put the users first. But that doesn't answer the question. In fact, if anything, it supports the thesis that Senator Cruz is presenting to her. 
Are you trying to program people who use your search engine? Well, what I can another way of saying that would be we put our users first. <laughs> we put our users first so much that we intricately discover new ways to program their responses because we're always concerned with putting our users first. What we what our users believe in, what they see, what they talk about, how they think, how they interact with the political system, that is the main focus of us of what we're doing here at Google. So you might you could say that we are programming our users, but that's a very callous way of putting it. We like to think of it as putting our users first. <laughs> when will the madness end? Google's senior exec claims entrapment by right-wing activists. This is Jen Ganai, ladies and gentlemen. She actually wrote a little blog post on Medium saying, I don't understand what all the fuss is about. Google's head of ethical machine learning, Jen Ganai, says she's received threatening messages after secretly being filmed for a video that alleges the internet giant is working to alter the 2020 United States elections. Look at the manipulation taking place in this very first paragraph. So straight away, <clears throat> PR, PR mission number one, turn Jen Ganai into a symbol of sympathy. Make her the victim now. She needs to be the victim. She needs to be a sympathetic character. She's received threatening messages. Oh, that's awful. That's awful. The, the, uh, after being secretly filmed for a video that alleges the internet giant is working to alter the 2020 United States election. No, that's not what happened. See, she was secretly filmed saying that her company is working to alter the 2020 United States elections. The video is not alleging it. She said it. Do you see the difference here? It's a very slight manipulation. See, this is the kind of shit when we're, talk when we're talking about fake news... This is what we're talking about. Half-truths. Half-truths. Janai published a Medium blog post after she returned to the US from an overseas trip and found an enormous collection of threatening calls, voicemails, text messages, and emails from unknown people. How are unknown people getting her phone number? Interesting. The threats appeared after right-wing activist James O'Keefe, right-wing activist, who runs Project Veritas, which specializes in undercover audio and video recordings of prominent people to show that they are biased against conservatives. At a restaurant, Ganai said she was filmed without her consent by Project Veritas, who lied about who they were. She claimed the resulting video had been selectively edited. There's that line. I told you yesterday that would be the line. That would be the line. They're going to come out and say, oh, it's doctored, it's edited, it's taken out of context, right? So this poor lady, she's a victim now. She's been getting threats after a video came out that was alleging Google is trying to change the 2020 election. No, actually, she admitted that Google is trying to change the 2020 election herself. She claimed the resulting video had been selectively edited to make it appear as if Google senior executives like Ganai are biased against conservatives. <laughs> selectively edited to make it appear as if Google is uh, biased against conservatives. Again, she said her own words, her own words out of her mouth were, people who voted for Donald Trump do not agree with our definition of fairness. 
those were those were not two half sentences crammed together. It doesn't appear. They're not trying to make it appear like you're biased. You said it yourself. In fact, you said it is your department's manifesto <clears throat> that your definition of bias, as in Google's definition of bias, as in machine learning algorithms definition of bias, which you call algorithmic unfairness. <clears throat> Janai denies this is the case, saying Google's stated official position is not to bias its products in favour of any particular political agenda. You see? Now, remember the whistleblower in that Project Veritas video came out and said, they'll just call it conspiracy theory. They'll never admit to any of this. Here is the document. They will look you straight in the eye and say, it's conspiracy. Ignore it. Our stated official position. At this point, who cares what your stated official position is? Sorry, your stated official position is bullshit. The Project Veritas video was posted on YouTube, but was taken down after a third-party privacy complaint. Now, listen to this. It is being circulated on right-wing websites such as Breitbart, however. <laughs> now, you know that Breitbart is a trigger word for your audience if you run a liberal publication. If they hear the term, if they hear the word Breitbart, they instantly think it must be lies and fake news. Oh, of course, of course, Breitbart's showing it. They always show fake news. This is a doctored video taken out of context, trying to make it appear like Google is trying to change the 2020 election. Those conservatives and their whacked out crazy theories. Those crazy conservatives with their whacked out theories. Hey, why don't you go back to Breitbart? You crazy conspiracy theory guy. Yeah, see? See how this works? O'Keefe and Project Veritas have published multiple audio and video recordings that they show abuse, uh, that they say show, ab that they say show abuse. You can read it. You can watch the video yourself. It shows abuse and anti-conservative bias in not-for-profits, social assistance programs, and political organizations and media. Breitbart, yeah, Breitbart. They say it shows anti-conservative bias. They say, don't don't watch it yourself. It's on Breitbart, and Breitbart's a conspiracy theory website. Oh, and not to, not to mention, the conservative activist, the controversial activist has been sued for misrepresentation and forced to apologise and pay large sums of money for doing so. Uh, not in this case. That has nothing to do with this case. But let's not put the context of that in because it would make it much harder to smear him and to get our readers to dismiss whatever that video says. So the clean-up job is on. The mop-up job is on from the good people at Google. I'm a victim now. I was getting threatening emails and phone calls. There was, there's a doctored, edited, edited video out there being played on the right-wing conspiracy websites like Breitbart, and it was made by a guy who has been legally forced to apologise for misrepresenting himself. There's your story. There's your spin in a nutshell. And a large chunk of the population will just plough right on, never even watch the clip, and not believe a single word you say about it. They could not care less, ladies and gentlemen, what you think. They have no principles. They have no ethical boundaries. They will burn down their own platform to get you. And they will whistle as they light the match. Not a single fuck was given.
we put our users first. This is right-wing conspiracy theory. The fake confidence. The phony confidence. Or is it phony? Is it fake confidence or is it a confidence that comes after being after being so powerful that you can literally just do whatever the hell you want to whomever you want, whenever you want, and knowing that nobody, even the most powerful government on the face of the earth, nobody is ever going to stop you. Interesting times ahead. Indeed. Indeed. With that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, it's hump day here on the Daily Boogie schedule. We're halfway through the Daily Boogie week. Back tomorrow night. I want to have a little more fun tomorrow night, so if you'll join me at 11 o'clock, I think we might do some review of the Democrat uh, debates. I don't know. We might get a little bit of fun out of that. I do have a few fun stories that I just haven't had time for this week to get to. Some more of the usual crazy. We've got some Florida. What the fuck is going on in Florida? We've got plenty of those articles to get to. So much, much more fun tomorrow night. If you want to come and join us at 11 p.m., please do so right here, wherever you're watching, Periscope, YouTube, DLive, Twitch, what have you. If you miss out, you can always check out the podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Podbean, wherever you find it, Player FM. We're everywhere. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. Follow me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Don't forget to follow our friends for the best 15-minute data downloads on the interwebs. James R. at Real Person, PLTCS. Don't forget the preacher man, Chris Mack, at ChrisMC44. I believe he interviewed Magdalene Rose tonight. I haven't had a chance to watch it, so I'll probably go back and watch it later on. So at ChrisMC44 for that. And don't forget myself, of course, at Boogie Bumper. I'll be on at 5.30 in the morning with Greeno for the starting block. I don't expect any of you to be awake at that time. I'm not even sure I'll be awake at that time, so it should make for interesting radio nonetheless. But if you want to stick around for that, then please do. 5.30, follow at the starting block. One word, drop the K at the end. And until tomorrow, guys, we'll take some calls tomorrow as well about the Democrat debates, if you want. And we'll do some more fun stuff. So be sure to join us at 11 p.m. tomorrow. Until then, stay calm, stay rational. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.